So we're in this, beginning a new series um, entitled Encounters with Jesus, going through the Gospel of Mark. And some, some resources that we have to offer you in our resource center is uh, this, this Christ-centered exposition. It's a, a, a small commentary on the book of Mark, and we've got others uh, from other books that we've done, but, but this is a really good little commentary that I really encourage you to pick up there. I think five bucks in our resource center. And then this is uh, the, the harmony of the Gospels. I don't know how many of you have ever looked at a harmony of Gospels but ha- or have one, but, but probably 25 years ago, I got this harmony of Gospel, and it, what it does is, is it takes the four Gospels, it lays them beside each other, and it help, helps you to see how, how Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John report different events and, and things happening throughout uh, the life of Christ. And so I would really encourage, this is one of those things I think that, that everyone should have. I think these are ten or fifteen dollars in there, but but I would highly encourage you to 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 pick one of these up. There are different versions of it. This is by Robert Thomas and Stanley Gundry, and uh, I really like it. It's the NIV version. And then we don't have this in our resource center, but but Sun Life does a harmony of a gospel study that takes you through uh, the four gospels, and it just takes you through the life of Christ and how Jesus lived and, and how we can, uh, ought to, to, to really model our lives after him. And so as we go through this book of Mark, it is my hope that, that we would just again get a fresh view of who Jesus was, um, how he lived his life, and how I, as a follower, as a disciple of his, ought to live my life the way that he did. And so, so in this book of Mark, uh, who is Mark? You know, it's actually, his name is John Mark. Uh, you find him in, uh, in, in the Gospels. He was a companion of Peter and Paul. He wasn't an apostle. He wasn't a prophet or a pastor or a leader or a teacher. He was a companion. He was a helper for Peter and Paul. And Mark had this incredible opportunity to travel with, with two of the most influential men in the whole New Testament, that is Peter and Paul. He was a cousin of Barnabas, and Barnabas was also a, a very influential worker in the New Testament. And he, and he traveled with Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. Now, that journey didn't end well for John Mark because he decided when, he, when they got to, um, in Acts 13, 13, when they got to Pergia, uh, he decided he was going to go home and he left uh, Paul and Barnabas. And this caused some trouble between Paul and Barnabas and, um, and actually some tensions. But later on in his life, he became, it says, a fellow laborer with Paul uh, in, in Acts, it tells us that. And, and when Paul gets to the end of his life in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says, go and get Mark and bring him because he has been helpful in my ministry. So there was reconciliation that happened with, um, with, with John, Mark, and Paul. 
uh, late in Paul's life. And, you know, if I were a young guy, Paul is probably the last person in the world that I would want to tick off because I think Paul was a pretty intense guy. And, and, and John Mark ticked Paul off at some point in his, in his life, but, but there was reconciliation. He also accompanied Peter, um, who Peter actually in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 13, calls John Mark his son, possibly being a convert of Peter's. Now, many of the church fathers, uh, those outside of, 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 of the Bible, state that, that Mark was actually uh, Peter's interpreter. And, and they believe that Mark composed uh, much of, of this gospel uh, from Peter's memoirs. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, who controlled all the information that, that, that came through him to Peter, John Mark wrote this gospel of Peter. And so, so it's possible that, that, that Mark wrote this book through the eyes of of Peter's experiences as he followed Christ and did life with Christ. And Mark really emphasized, and you see this, the encounters of Jesus. He doesn't write so much about the words that Jesus spoke, but he looks at encounters that Jesus had. He, he has 19 miracles um, that, that he uh, records in this book, but only four parables. And it's believed that Mark is either the first gospel written or the second. It's the shortest of, of all of the gospels. Luke has 1,151 verses. Matthew has 1,071. John has 879. And the book of Mark only has 661 verses, 16 chapters. And it's a really fast-moving book. He covers a lot of territory, but he leaves out a lot of small uh, of details in this book. And he opens it up with a really, uh, he opens it up fast and ends it fast. So he opens up by saying, in the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So he wants his writers from the very beginning to know who Jesus is. He says, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's what he wants people to know. Then he says in verse 2 and 3, and I'm using the, the, the New Living for verse uh, uh, 2 and 3, he says, and it began, speaking of the life of Christ, it began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. Look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. It's coming Clear the road for him. So, so this account about Jesus Christ, he says, it happened just the way Isaiah said it would. And so, so Mark looks back and he, he, he grabs from the prophet Isaiah and he says, look, it happened just the way Isaiah said. Isaiah said that there was going to be a forerunner. That forerunner is John the Baptist. And John prepared the way for Jesus. Now, Mark doesn't mention Jesus' birth at all. Uh, he doesn't mention anything about his childhood. He, and he just briefly touches on his baptism and his wilderness experience. And he moves almost immediately to Jesus' encounters with people. 
It's fast moving. He, he wants to get to those encounters that, that, that he had, that Jesus had with people. So he says in Mark chapter, four, chapter 1, verse 14, he says, After John was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. It says, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting nets into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he said, come follow me. Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and they followed him. And when he had gone a little bit further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in the boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. Father, would you, as we journey through this book, show us, Lord, the the things that you want us to understand about you and about us how we ought to live our lives. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. You know, one of the things I really want to encourage us in is is to read through this book because it's really hard to to hit on every event that that Mark records. And so so what we're going to challenge you is, is this week, read through the book of Mark at least three times. And one of the ways you can do that is, I want to encourage you is, and maybe rather than reading it, listen to it. Get on version and, and, and find a, a, a Bible version that you like and listen to it. Uh, chapter 1 takes 5 minutes, I think, and 40 seconds to listen through. So take some time every day to listen through the chapters of, uh, of Mark. And maybe take time one day to sit down and just read through or listen through the whole thing. It takes about an hour and a half to listen through the whole book of Mark. Sports Center lasts 30 minutes. Don't do Sports Center one day day and and listen through the book of Mark. It's really important for us to to be reading and understanding. what, what, what God is saying to us through this book. And then there's, there's one more thing. There's, there's this, uh, go to Bible Project, uh, I think it's BibleProject.com. Um, it is a really, there's some really cool videos for you to, to watch yourselves, but also for you to show your children. Um, and it's, it's, it's videos for the whole Bible, and, and what it does with Mark is it just gives you a, an overview of the whole book. And so, so those are some tools that you can use to understand what God is speaking. But we have to be in the Word in order to understand the Word. And so as we look at this book of Mark, and, and, and they're going to hear what he has spoken at the beginning of Mark, and, and the thing that strikes me is Jesus says, follow me. He walks up to these guys, and, and, and probably these guys have probably met Jesus and, and heard his teachings before. 
They've been guys that were interested in who Jesus was and what he'd done and, and maybe had encountered him before, but, but Jesus walked up and says, follow me. Now, when you look at the Old Testament, when prophets called people to follow, they called them not to follow themselves, but to follow God. The rabbis of Jesus' day never called people to follow them, but, but to learn the Torah. And so Jesus, when he says, follow me, it's a very authoritative statement. He's not saying, let me teach you about the Torah. Uh, this is what God said. He says, follow me. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He, he has a, it's, it's an Old Testament thing where a command is followed by a promise. He says, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. When God came to Abraham, he said, Abraham... Go to the place that I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. So, so Jesus was following that Old Testament model, but he was saying, basically saying, I am God. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, the phrase fishers of men is also interesting because when you look at the Old Testament, and it's a metaphor that is used in the Old Testament that the prophets used, Jeremiah and Amos, and I think maybe Habakkuk used it, but it's the gathering of people for judgment. When the prophets talk about, um, about fishing, they're gathering people for the judgment. And so when Jesus is calling Simon and Andrew to this task of rescuing people by fishing for them, he's saying, look, a judgment is coming. I want you to become fishers of men. Because remember, he said a little bit earlier, the kingdom is coming. The kingdom is here. So he says, come follow me, and I want to make you fishers of men. I want to see you gathering people to save them from this judgment that they will experience outside of me. And it says, once they went... At once they went. They didn't ask questions. And, you know, as I look at this story, uh, one of our core values popped in my mind, and it was this idea of gospel-empowered faith, that following Jesus requires radical obedience. And what I see from these, these guys that Jesus said, follow me, is, is this radical obedience that they had. They didn't ask questions. They didn't say, what am I getting into? They just followed with faith. And now follow me. And if it, you know, there, is, there are sacrifices and joys of follow me. You know, sometimes we, we read quickly over these verses and, and we really don't think about the implications of following me had for these men. Their decision to follow. You see, for these men, there was sacrifice involved in following because when we follow Jesus, there's sacrifice required. See, this meant for them leaving everything they knew. They were fishermen. That's all they ever did. They grew up in fishing villages. They watched their fathers fish, and yet now Jesus is saying, come and follow me, leave your fishing, and go with me. They were leaving what was comfortable. 
Their lifestyle was being altered. And then what about their families? I mean, all that was changing for them because of their choice to follow Jesus. What did this mean for their future to follow? I mean, what, what were people going to say? They were leaving their fishing. Yeah, two of them were leaving their own business, leaving their father and, and, and following Jesus. They were giving up everything. And I'm sure people thought, are you crazy? What are you doing? What are you thinking? You see, this decision for them to follow greatly altered sort of the trajectory of their lives. This changed everything for them. And, and when we read those words, they left immediately, there was great sacrifice involved in their leaving. Follow me requires sacrifice. Follow me requires suffering. Because following Jesus would cost these guys. You know, Jesus would later tell them in, in, in Mark chapter 8. Because when we get to Mark chapter 8, you know, the disciples are thinking, look, this Jesus, he, he, is, he is going to be our ruler. He's going to be our king. And, and so he has this conversation with them. Who do people say that I am? And, 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 and Peter says, you're the Messiah, the Son of God. And, and but then he looked at Jesus, and then and Jesus, and Jesus explained to them what was going to happen to him. And, and Jesus, Peter said, no, no, that's not how it should be. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. But then he says, he looked at the crowd after he had rebuked Peter in, in Mark chapter 8, verse 34. He says, he called the crowd to him along with his disciples, and he says this, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. If you want to be my disciple, he says, you got to pick up your cross. In other words, if you want to be my disciple, it's going to cost you. There's going to be sacrifice, and there's going to be suffering. Most of us have never experienced suffering for the gospel. I'm not sure how much we have even sacrificed for the gospel, but these guys, they sacrificed everything to follow. Jesus. But, but yes, there are sacrifices and uh, yes, there's suffering that happens, but, but there was also this incredible joy that they experienced because of following Jesus. You see, these guys had a front row to the work of Jesus' ministry. 
They would see him heal people and they would see him teach powerfully and, and, and they had the opportunity to sit with him personally and ask him questions and he would explain to them what he was saying. And so, so they experienced incredible blessing in following Jesus because in spite of the suffering, in spite of the sacrifice, the greatest thing about following Jesus is the joy we receive by watching him work in us and through us because they would then later see him. They would, they would see Jesus working through them after he went back up into heaven. They would see the Holy Spirit working through them to heal people and to teach people. And they would experience the greatest life journey that anyone could ever have, and that is following Jesus. You see, they got to see people's lives transformed through their preaching and teaching. They experienced the joy and the power of follow me. And if that day they would have chose not to follow. They would, have ex- they would have missed a lot of incredible blessing because of their disobedience. Now, because of their obedience, yes, they, they, all of these men except for John, history tells us, were martyred for believing in Jesus and following Jesus. So, yes, it was very costly. But their lives were also incredibly joyful. Second Corinthians, Paul writes this, and Paul suffered incredibly. He says, therefore, let us not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being transformed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Did you catch that? Our light and momentary troubles. Now, when I look at Paul, I don't view his troubles as light and momentary. I mean, this is a guy that got beat and they thought he was dead. They left him for dead outside of the city. He got beat multiple times for his preaching. And he says, these light and momentary troubles, these these little beatings that I got, these hard things, those are nothing compared to this incredible thing that I'm going to experience, the glory of eternity. I will trade any day these sufferings that I received for this incredible eternity that I am about to experience. Paul experienced suffering because he was willing to follow. Paul experienced great joy because he was willing to follow. Have you had a follow me moment? or moments in your life? You know, I remember when I, when I, when I opened the book of Mark and, and began to, to, to prepare for my, my sermon this week, and I read those words, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It, it took me back about 27 years 
to a time one day when I was sitting on our, our, on our patio and I was doing my devotions. It was a, it was a beautiful summer day and, and, and there was this light breeze and my Bible was sitting to my left and I had a, I had a, a pad here that I was, I was taking some notes on. And I remember at one moment, uh, the wind began to just, just a, a light, cool breeze began to blow and, and, and the pages on my Bible began to rustle and they turned. And all of a sudden they stopped. And my, my, my eyes were drawn to these verses in Mark and it said, Follow me, and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I was a feeder of calves at the moment. And that day God spoke to me, and, and, and there, were, there were several other times during that time that, that during that time of sitting when, when those leaves would rustle on my Bible, and, and God took me to places that I needed to know and, and he was speaking to me that day and but these verses were life changing for me because I knew what God was speaking to me and there was a time when I was wrestling with my calling and, and God was saying Dwayne I'm, 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 I'm going to do something new I'm doing something new and in those moments he tells us to, to trust him to trust us to follow him. To trust him so much that we'll be obedient and we'll do whatever he invites us into. It's in those moments when we have to, as Paul says there in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 4, verse 18, that we have to fix our eyes on Jesus. To fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Paul says what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You see, when we choose in those moments that God says, follow me, when we choose to say yes to those, it, it is with we don't have an understanding of what, of what the future looks like. It is in those unseen moments that we experience the incredible beauty of following Jesus. But follow me moments aren't aren't even so much about where we're going or what we're doing. Follow me moments are about who we're becoming. Does that make sense? It's about who we're becoming. It's who Jesus is making us into. See, follow me is a lifelong journey. It's an ongoing call. 
of Jesus for every one of us. So what is, what is, what is that follow me moment for you? Because what follow me says, as I look at these guys, it's, it's them dropping what they knew. They dropped their nets. They left their boats. And they went to something new. And, and some of us are holding on to the old. We're holding on to the old stuff, the comfortable stuff, the safe stuff. But Jesus is saying, put that down. Put that down. Put down what you know. Put down what's comfortable and come and follow me. And go to the places that I want to take you because I have this incredible journey prepared for you if you're just willing to put that old stuff down. For some of you, that may be your job and and God is preparing something new. And for some of us, It's old hurts and pains that you're choosing to hold on to because it's what's safe, it's what's comfortable. It really hurts, but, but when, and you're thinking, but, but if, I, if I put those down, that means I have to forgive people. That means I have to work through the hard thing of healing. And you'd rather live here, holding on to those nets and staying in your little boat than putting them down and turning and following Jesus. And and experiencing the greatest journey you will ever experience. A journey that that has ups and downs and twists and turns and, and, and joys and sorrows. But boy, at the end of this journey of follow me, there's this incredible experience, this incredible eternal reward that we will experience because we were willing to put our nets down. Stand up and follow Jesus. Are you ready to follow him? Are you ready to to sacrifice and suffer to experience the joy of following him? And as we journey through this book, I want to really challenge and encourage you to ask, what is Jesus asking? How does he want me to follow? What are the nets that I need to drop? So that I can follow Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I just this morning as we look at your word, 
as we look at the life of of Jesus and the the people he called to follow him. Would you, Lord, in these moments, I pray right now that you would show us the nets that that need to be put down, um, the boats that need to be left behind, and give us the courage and the faith to follow. It's in Christ's precious name that we pray. Amen.